If you're visiting this morning, my name is Scott. Uh, I'm one of the pastors on staff, and I am excited about today's uh, second step through the Song of Songs, uh, the kind of book that normally people don't spend a lot of time in, but it is a book of uh, romance, and today's message targets a singles audience. So uh, if you're single today, today's message is for you. If you're married and you want to be single, we, we're going to challenge you not to be. <laughs> we want you to stay married and, and actually find some real, uh, discover some real joy in today's message. Uh, I posted this week a question, what are some top faux pas in dating? Uh, top faux pas. Here were a few of the 32 or so comments that I got. One of them was, if you're vegan and you take your date out, uh, understand that he or she may not practice the same kind of diet and be sensitive to their hunger. <laughs> One fellow took his date out, and uh, he took her actually to a restaurant that he did some of the tenant improvements on just to kind of show off, I guess. And they left the restaurant. Uh, he's, you know, he didn't want to eat. <laughs> if he didn't want to eat, then why should they eat? And then later she said, you know, I'm kind of hungry. <laughs> and he thoughtfully pulled an apple out of a bag and just gave it to her. Yeah, think of others as it relates to your diet. Uh, the other advice that I thought was great, in fact, businessmen often use this when they're hiring someone, is uh, you want to have good table manners, especially how you interact with the waiter. Often people, when they're hiring someone, they'll take you out to dinner. What they're watching is how you interact with someone you don't know. Do you try to show off or show your own authority and uh, be polite with the waiter? Be polite <laughs> When you're referencing uh, relatives, don't start talking about your mom or your dad in a disrespectful way. That says way more about you than you want to say. Uh, that's a faux pas. When you're sitting down with, uh, with your date, you want to be present. Make certain your body language conveys that you want to be there. Don't be on your phone. Oh, wow. Texting. That says... Uh, I, I made a mistake. In fact, I challenge you if, you, if you think you're sitting down with someone that you're dating for the first time and you feel like, hey, this is not going anywhere, hey, don't make it about you. Make it about them. Continue to serve them and make it a pleasant evening for them, regardless of what you think the trajectory uh, of that date is going to go. Um, I think another one that uh, stuck out for me was... Uh, the importance of not talking about yourself, uh, not bragging, not referencing of what a great CIF wrestler you were, because, uh, you know, usually the numbers you give are all inflated. Uh, don't talk about yourself. Don't brag about yourself. Instead, be interested in the person that you're with. And uh, those kind of practices will help you in any engagement um, and uh, help you have better people skills. It's always good to get people sharing their story, not your own. It'll put you in a winning situation. Well, the author of today's work in chapter 2, which if you came this morning without a Bible and you want to watch and see if what I'm saying is what the original author intended, uh, I challenge you to raise your hand. We'll get a Bible out to you. We'll be on page 471 and 472. The Song of Songs, written by Solomon, the third king of Israel, who also said something that I want to repeat throughout today's message. He said that everything has, has been made possible in its appropriate time under heaven. Uh, there's a season for everything. There's a time for everything. And you're going to hear today, there's a time to laugh, there's a time to dance, there's a time to embrace. 
And uh, I hope that today you leave with uh, an extra uh, skip in your step. Uh, Singles, I hope that you leave with uh, tremendous hope that Jesus is the one that provides your every need and that uh, this season for you uh, may be a season of preparation. That's the question I want to answer. What are the seasons of relationships? And the first season that really sticks out for me here is in verse 11. It's the season of preparation. Let me just start reading in chapter 2 where uh, uh, he, he writes, uh, See, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. <laughs> Again, see, the winter is past. This is the first season that uh, most all of us experience. It's a season of preparation. It is uh, described by this uh, poet, uh, Lisa Matson. She writes, I want to read this just like she said it. She said, midwinter dormancy for a vineyard uh, in, the, uh, in this stage, it seems like the vineyard stands still. Creation is put on pause. Uh, swollen gray skies loiter above, and chimney fires can be smelled from a mile away in the cool air. It is a beautiful time of year when, with a meditative quality to it, shh, the vines are sleeping. And yet, this Shulamite, the woman that is... Uh, is married to Solomon. She has she described herself last week in the first two chapters as someone who was uh, overworked. Actually, she didn't get to tend her own vineyard. She had to tend the vineyard of her uh, brothers, who were angry with her. And I quote: "And uh, so she was out in the sun more than she wanted to be. It actually was a point of insecurity for her." Darker than she wanted to be. Uh, wasn't cosmetically attractive to be that dark. And uh, so, uh, yet she knew what winter was for a vineyard. Winter for a vineyard is a time of preparation. In fact, the word, the season winter in the Bible is a type of preparation when it's used. And no different here. Uh, this was a time of preparation for um, for their relationship that they experienced. And what we know about uh, grapevines is that during the winter, it is the time where the roots actually hoard as much of the carbohydrates that were gathered through photosynthesis into the roots of the trunk and roots of, that go below into the ground to grow deeper and to prepare for uh, the spring harvest. Uh, then at the end of winter, as spring approaches, uh, the, uh, the vineyard gardener will go out and prune uh, the canes is what they're called. Uh, if I could get that image of the vine up here, uh, they'll prune those canes which sprout up uh, so that once spring comes, uh, the, the vine will produce uh, lots of grapes. It's a season of preparation. Uh, winter is 30% of the year. Uh, I mark winter, uh, you know, late December through uh, late uh, March. And it is unique that not only does creation identify three months of the year for winter, for dormancy, but I believe our God is a God of uh, winter. Our God is a God who encourages us to take seasons, to embrace seasons of preparation where you're waiting. (laughs) 
There's no clear direction. In fact, uh, your vineyard looks dormant, uh, like this, this vineyard uh, that a monastery, I think, in Europe overlooks. Uh, it is a vineyard that if you were to look at it, you would think, wow, there's nothing going on here. Uh, this vineyard is completely um, absent of any real development. Um, could I get that other image uh, of the monastery? And uh, yes, this, uh, this vineyard just looks like there's nothing on it. And what I believe is that our God is a God who is preparing us all the time. Think about maybe some stories you wouldn't naturally reference in the Bible about preparation. Uh, the Apostle Paul, one of Jesus' most influential co-workers in the first century. He was uh, identified by Jesus after Christ's death and resurrection. Uh, he was personally approached by Jesus in, on, on his road to Damascus uh, and he was, uh, after he converted and became a Christ follower, in, instead of reporting to some of the other co-workers of Jesus in Jerusalem, he went to Arabia, as scholars say, for as long as three years. This is mentioned in one of his letters to the church at Galatia. He went away for three years to prepare. <laughs> three years to prepare. What's ironic about that is he had his Ph.D. in theology. He was brilliant to the roof. But he knew it was time to go and prepare. Uh, Jesus himself, himself spent age 12 to, or earlier to age 30 preparing for just a three and a half year uh, ministry. Um, John Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark, uh, he's, uh, he's the guy actually in that, uh, at the end of that uh, scene in Gethsemane who's running around people are trying to catch. He actually removed himself from working for Paul he was scared to death working for Paul. Paul just always was in a troubled, violent situation. He wanted out of it. And uh, so he, he, uh, he tapped out of working with Paul. And Barnabas uh, brought him in, apprenticed him. And after years passed, he became, with years of preparation, he became someone, Paul, the most influential worker in the first century, wanted by him. Uh, our God is a God of preparation. And you, if you're single here and you've been going through a season that for you has been like winter, it doesn't look relationally like there's a harvest coming. I want to encourage you that the longer the winter, the better the spring. That the more preparation during winter, the better hope for a great spring. And our God knows your needs and he wants to meet all your needs as you wait and as you prepare. It's Preparation time. What we know about Jesus is he described himself in Vintner, in vineyard terms as well. This metaphor doesn't just come from Solomon. It actually comes from Jesus as well. His co-worker John captured some of Jesus' teachings on this very matter. Uh, Jesus actually describes his father as the gardener in John chapter 1 verse 1. Uh, the gardener who will cut, will prune any branches that don't produce fruit. And he's speaking of Christ followers. And then he says that for a Christ follower who is allowing the Spirit of Jesus to produce fruit, like peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control, love in our lives, that the Father will actually prune those vines as well so that they produce more fruit. Uh, and the key is, he says, remaining in him. Jesus says this, no branch can bear fruit by itself. <laughs> uh, it must remain in the vine. 
Uh, and so this idea of preparation, uh, winter preparation, is about really remaining in Jesus, remaining close to God personally. And you may be here and have maybe been kind of felt kind of duped or in your own head. You have a, maybe a, an understanding of Christianity that it's about coming to a gathering like this and, and uh, for a few minutes and clock watching and getting out of here as soon as you can and may have missed the most important thing, that God allowed his son Jesus to, to do, to commit an act of ridiculous generosity. At age 33, uh, he willingly experienced a substitutionary, uh, barbaric, said the Romans, death on a cross. So that if you placed your trust in what he did, his perfect life would be applied to you once for all, covering every act of selfishness and thoughtlessness, rebellion, narcissism, just by trusting in him. But it doesn't stop there. It goes deeper. Because his father, our God, made a promise that if you placed your trust in him, his spirit, called the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of Jesus, would be poured out into your life and into your heart. And so that that spirit would literally write God's laws and God's uh, conduct on your heart. So you, wouldn't, you would want to do uh, what was God-honoring, what was fruit-producing, what produced a life of unconditional love and peace and kindness, gentleness, self-control. And to live this kind of life means remaining in Jesus, abiding in the vine, staying close to him. And if you're here and you've never gotten this idea that Jesus wants a personal relationship with you, then I don't want you to leave today without saying, hey, I own that. I want to know that Jesus. I want him here, right here. If you haven't made that decision, I'll lead you in a prayer at the end of the service. Why not today? Make it and start your winter preparation as it relates to your relationship with Christ. How do you prepare? I think there's a lot of ways uh, that prepare um, we, we've identified about six marks of people who call adventure their home. We call them adventure marks. Uh, we believe that Christ followers are, uh, are believers who pray constantly. Uh, they, they believe that God works through prayer. And so prayer is a regular part of their life. Uh, we believe that um, Christ followers are people who um, share their faith in Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection regularly, that Christ followers serve passionately. We want to give more than just um, uh, a good word. We want to give our time and energy. That Christ followers are people who want to give. They believe everything that we have is from God in heaven. And so we want to give not only of our time and service, but even of our financial resources, uh, if we can, with what he's provided us. So Christ followers are generous givers. Uh, these are just a few. Those kind of habits uh, Christ followers are people who follow willingly. We follow the Spirit. If you take a moment and uh, every day or as soon as you, as much as you can to listen, play an audio file of a Bible verse or a journal, some thoughts, uh, asking for God's Spirit to lead you, those are ways that you can remain in Jesus, praying, serving, um, sharing your faith, uh, giving of your time, all those um, are ways that you can really remain in Jesus. What are you doing to help make that possible, to remain in him? What's a regular part of your life? 
Uh, and sometimes uh, we called the church on a fast this week. You may not be aware of it. You can go to my Facebook account or the church's Facebook account. We started on Ash Wednesday. Sometimes you've got to stop doing some things so you'll have the space to start doing some new uh, vine-abiding habits. Um, mine, mine has been to stop watching movies on the weekends. I like to watch a movie, and it kind of puts me in that lethargic, uh, everyone-serve-me attitude, which my family doesn't enjoy. And uh, I've just decided to stop that and do something else. And uh, it, I've had a whole lot more energy as a result. First season you may experience in a relationship is a season of winter preparation. Uh, and it's a great place to exercise faith and trust Jesus that he's going to provide and lead you and direct you. If you're depressed or bored or anxious about it, I encourage you just to embrace it and trust him to help you grow and uh, prepare, help your roots grow deep so that when harvest comes, your prep is going to ensure a generous harvest. Your experience may be preparation. Uh, and if, if you have, uh, if you are, if you've made that decision to give your life to Christ, I say your next step is to be baptized. Uh, baptism is that moment. Uh, if you've made a decision to trust in Jesus, Baptism is that moment where you go public with your decision. And you do it in the same manner Jesus was. You, you, you're dunked, just like Jesus' cousin John dunked him. And uh, we're going to do this on Easter Sunday. And if that's a decision you've, you're not familiar with or you know about it and you want to take that next step, let us know on your Connect card. Just say, hey, I'm interested in baptism. And when we collect uh, those cards at the end of service, just place them in the basket. That's experience one. There's a season of preparation. The second season is a season of perfection. This is, uh, this is where things just couldn't go better. And it's a little delusional. You'll see when I read it. Uh, you may or may not experience this. Uh, but here it is. Listen, my lover, look. Here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. I'm in verse 8 and now 9. My lover is like a, a gazelle. He's like a what? A gazelle or a young stag. He's like a young what? Yeah, look. There he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. My lover spoke to me and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me. Here's the delusional part. Have any of you been called a gazelle in your home recently? Anybody? This stag is another word for a deer, a young male deer with a nice set of antlers on him. It would be a compliment, ladies, if you call your husband a stag uh, this afternoon or a gazelle. Uh, it would be nice, especially for us men that are getting a little slower. Uh, this is a season, a season of perfection. This couple, it, my, I observe, is in love with each other. Uh, my lover spoke to me and uh, said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me. He's inviting her to be on an adventure. Uh, he's reaching out to her and saying, Let's have some fun. This is, this is the season where you get a kick out of just making a sonic run during happy hour. This is the season where you get a kick out of going to In-N-Out and, you know, enjoying a little time together or going on a walk together or going snowboarding to Sugar Bowl or a trip down to Santa Cruz and enjoying the beach or Mavericks. This is just getaway time. Have some fun uh, or be real cheap and just go for a walk. Uh, this is kind of the perfect time. Things couldn't be better. 
But at the same time, you got to be a little cautious because your emotions can kind of get out of control. You can get overly excited, and uh, you've got to guard a few things. You've got to guard your time. Uh, at this phase in the relationship, singles, you, you want to be careful about not putting too much pressure on the relationship. If you're saying, hey, I, I just want to be candid, uh, speak from my heart, and be real, uh, you're the person I want to marry. And if your entree hasn't arrived yet on this first date of you meeting the person, you're, you, you could be creating more pressure on the relationship than really you want to. Be a good salesperson. Uh, you want to guard your talk. Um, not, you want, excuse me, you want to guard uh, your time. You don't want to spend too much time together. Um, you want to s- maintain relationships with your friends. In fact, you want to bring him or her into those relationships so your friends can give you the okay. Uh, you want that kind of support. Um, you don't want to isolate. It can be dangerous. Uh, I like Jesus' words, uh, by yourself you can't produce any fruit. Um, that, of course, was referencing in relationship with Jesus. Without relationship with Jesus, there's no fruit in your life. Uh, but I think if you're alone, if you, pertube, if you isolate yourself, there are risks to that as well. Guard your time, guard your talk, guard your touch at this phase in the relationship. You're going to want to touch uh, his or her head, shoulders, knees and toes. Knees and toes. And you want to just kind of, you want to protect your. It's not time yet, okay? Keep your hands to yourself. Be a gentleman. And you might think, wow, this is... Uh, this is, this is a little silly. Let me tell you something. If you're in sales, you have to realize that guarding your, your time, <laughs> respecting boundaries of time, respecting boundaries of uh, talk, not over-talking and putting too much pressure on a potential transaction, a potential sale, potential contract, uh, and not being overly touchy, my word, all those disciplines have application outside of a dating relationship. You want to be thoughtful and respectful and not be overly excitable. Now, Melissa and I have enjoyed, just this weekend, we enjoyed uh, some of this uh, fun. And I want to talk to marrieds for a second here. Because I think as marrieds, we're not having enough fun. Really. Uh, When's the last time you did, as a married person, what you used to do as an engaged person? Um, Did you ever uh, just go out and play sports against each other? Do you have a spouse who is really good at maybe swimming or really good at basketball or soccer? When's the last time you went out and just went one-on-one together? And I realize you might be in your 60s or 70s. It's okay. <laughs> uh, get out there and do it. It's all right. No one's, you're going to be respected. Uh, when's the last time you um, together went, if you're able, went up to, the, went up to Tahoe and maybe went uh, snowboarding or snow skiing? When's the last time you um, went out on a hike together, maybe in the Napa area or even the Sierra foothills? When's the last time you had some fun together and just did something a little different? <laughs> uh, I, this weekend, I, I got a crazy idea. Melissa and I, on Thursday night, we fought for about an hour. It was mostly my fault. I just was in a bad mood. I don't know what it was. I was away this week and got home and was tired. And, and uh, she said, what's wrong with you? I said, I don't know. I'm just tired or something. Anyway, so I had to make up for some grievous errors. And so on Friday, I thought, you know what? I've never done Uber. I'm going to Uber a vehicle here. <laughs> I picked the wrong vehicle. It was way too expensive. But, uh, so I told Melissa, hey, I want you to California dress casual. 515, need you ready. She's like, well, a little smiley face. And uh, we went out to eat, 
and Uber showed, I like, told her at like 5, 5.10, hey, babes, you know, our ride's going to be here in five minutes. She's like, our ride? I'm like, yeah, we got a ride, lady. So uh, the ride showed up. She's like, how fun. My son took pictures. We, we drove. He took us to the restaurant. It was really fun. Then at the restaurant, I, I get up I, to use the restroom, clean my hands, and a guy next to me, talk about fun, guy next to me says this. Now, here's the deal. In restrooms, men, we don't talk to each other. We don't even look at each other. Don't even want to. Don't. Uh-uh, don't. Uh-uh. This guy says this. He goes, I'm about to do this. And I'm washing my hands. And I, I look at him. I'm like, what's up? He goes, he pulls out his ring. I'm about to ask this guy to marry me. And he's like, he starts hyperventilating. I'm like, whoa, I'm not trained for this. I said, hey, bro, you want me to pray for you? He goes, would you? I'm like, sure. So I go and I pray in Jesus' name, give this guy strength. Then he says to me, he goes, he goes, uh, should I ask her to marry me before or after dinner? And I said, do it before so you have something to t- so you can talk about it during the meal. You're spending so much money here. You might as well talk about, you know, uh, the, the engagement. And if she says, you know, well, I didn't want to scare him. If she said no, you know, it might not be good either. But... So I said, you want me to take pictures? He goes, sure. So uh, we walk out, and, and I'm waiting. I've got my camera. I'm waiting for him to get on his knee, and he's went, and then finally he goes. <laughs> so I walk over, take pictures. I'll try to post these on my Facebook if you want to see them. Uh, anyways, great moment. She said yes. They were thrilled. He thanked me. We had this great time together. Then on my way back to my table a little bit later, um, some guy stands in front of me, and my wife's like going, where are you? <laughs> This guy stands up in front of me. I'm not kidding. This happened. The Lord is witness. He, sa- he stands up, and I go, hey, how's it going? He goes, I go, pretty good. I just got to help a guy with his engagement. That's so great. He says, you know, I'm really looking for God. And I was like, really? And I go, uh, where are you at with Jesus? And he goes, oh, I don't know, man. I just drink too much. I said, listen, Jesus is the winemaker. You need to forget the wine and focus on him personally. He goes, really? And he told me about what he was thinking about going into. I said, don't go into that. There's no historical reliability for that. Jesus, there's more evidence on him than anybody. Are you ready? He goes, I am. I said, can I pray for you? Sure. We prayed. Led to the Lord. Then I got back to the table. My wife's like, what is going on? I said, Melissa, we had one fellow who got engaged, and another guy needed a lead for Christ. I'm busy. I asked her Friday night, I said, hey, what was your favorite thing about, about our time together? And she said, you. She said, uh, taking engagement pictures and, and sharing your faith and praying a prayer for that guy to receive Christ. Have fun is what I'm saying. So, I re- so right now, just in case some of you are like, I've, I've lost you. Let me pull you back. So there are, I'm trying to answer the question, there, there, what are the seasons for relationships? And I'm referencing Solomon's word in Ecclesiastes, there is a time for everything under heaven, a season for everything. In relationships, there's a season for um, preparation. It's winter. It's the time where it looks like there's no hope for harvest. And yet I'm arguing that, hey, the better the prep, the better the winter, sometimes the longer the winter, the better the harvest. Okay. Secondly, I'm... I'm proposing that there's a time or a season in a relationship that is a season of perfection. And for singles, when you're in that moment, it's a little surreal. You're being called a gazelle or a stag. It's like a little delusional. But what I'm suggesting is that if you're married, you need to dip back into that. I'm suggesting if you're married, that's, that's accessible. Have some fun. 
Do something crazy. <laughs> uh, when you leave here and you get out in the parking lot, reach down and just grab some. Have some fun. <laughs> Listen, that's for the marrieds. Have some fun. Loosen up. Aren't we all just too stressed out? Okay. All right. Good to have you. Thirdly, the third season uh, for a relationship is this season of discovery. And it really is, I think, the most uh, enjoyable season. And look in verses uh, 12 and following and see how this couple, this couple is in their golden years. They're looking back on their relationship and uh, they're celebrating what they've enjoyed. Here it is, verse 14. My dove in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places on the mountainside, show me your love. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Catch for us the foxes. The little foxes uh, that ruin the vineyards, but vineyards, the vineyards that are in bloom. Catch the foxes. So this third season is a season of discovery. Uh, The lover, he wants to get to know her. I want to see you. I want to hear you. Your face is lovely. What I like about this is that she has already shared her heart with him in the first chapter. I mentioned it earlier. She had a real insecurity about her darkness of skin because of how much time she spent um, really at her brother's uh, urgency in their own vineyards. She worked overtime and uh, was embarrassed about it. And uh, one thing I mentioned last week is that we all have insecurities that we bring into relationships. And he is at this point asking for her to be more trusting of him. And so he asks her to, uh, to come out. I want to see your face, your lovely face, and I want to hear your sweet voice. You're going to have a season of discovery, um, a season that's exciting. I, I like uh, the, the image that I had here for this. It's, it's a season of discovery. Can, I, can we see this? Yeah, this couple, they're having fun. You need to have fun like that. We need to keep doing this. If you're single, this is a, an exciting time uh, when, uh, first of all, you want to talk about your past. You want to share where you've been, uh, what you've been through, maybe what are some of your hurts, some of your uh, relational past. You want to share your um, sexual past, uh, but without crossing your T's or dotting your I's. This is a place to use self-control. Too much detail can be the devil's workshop. Uh, You don't want to cross T's or dot I's, but you want to be honest. You don't want to be deceitful either. Uh, You've got to Be willing at this point to be God honest about what the Spirit's prompting you to be honest about. I've seen couples withhold information at this point and then really pay a price later because someone wasn't willing to be really honest. And let me tell you, in any courtship, it's got to be to some degree, you've got to be willing to pull the plug if you don't, if it's not feeling right. It's kind of like, and this is probably not the best illustration, but it works for me. It's kind of like making an offer on a car or a house. You've got to be willing to walk away. <laughs> you make the offer, they say no, you're good with that. That's, that was my offer. And uh, if you're willing to walk away, that means that you're, you know what you're looking for and you're truly thinking through the discovery season. Talk about your past. Secondly, talk about your plans. Uh, where do you want to live? Uh, how many kids do you want to have? Uh, what's your philosophy on education? Um, do you want to see our kids publicly educated or privately educated? Um, 
do you want to work from the home or do you want me to be full-time on either end? Um, uh, I think I mentioned it. How many kids do you have? want to have? How, when do you want to start having kids? Where do, uh, what region do you want to live in? Where do you want to spend holidays? Um, all those kind of questions may seem incidental, but actually that's one of the reasons you do premarital counseling is it just helps address all those so that it helps a couple launch uh, with a mutual understanding. And then finally, I think the most important piece here is in all seasons, protect your purity. In all seasons, whether it's the preparation season or it's it's uh, perfection or discovery. Protect your purity. And v- verse 15 really captures this. Check this out. Verse 15, my lover, rather, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. Remember last week, I told you vineyards are a metaphor for our bodies. And foxes, as cute and snugly as they look, they're aim is to actually ruin a vineyard. And they do that a variety of ways. They'll go after the bud. They'll go after the, um, uh, the fruit itself. And what Solomon is warning here us of is the threat that we all have to ensure that our human sexuality is protected from these pesty little foxes. And uh, There's a lot of ways that uh, sexual temptation or the foxes have access to it. But I just want to remind you of a message I shared back in October that uh, sexual temptation is the one temptation in the Bible that is self-inflicting. You hurt yourself when you allow foxes into your life. (laughs) You hurt yourself. Uh, Paul said it. One of Jesus' co-workers said it this way, is that uh, when, you, um, when you are involved in sexual immorality, that's sex outside of marriage, uh, you are becoming one with someone, and you're not considering the fact that you're one with Jesus. And so you're bringing someone else into your relationship with Jesus, and it can be really damaging. It's the one sin where you're inflicting damage on yourself. And of course, not just, you know, the act of sex is... Uh, is a fox, but all the other stuff, the pornography, the the thought life, all that stuff, um, the covetousness, the lust, all of that stuff can be so hurtful. And so Solomon's just saying, hey, get rid of the foxes. Do whatever you can to protect yourself from the foxes. He, Paul also wrote, uh, but among you there must not be a hint of sexual immorality. And this is just the area in the life of a Christ follower that you want to pursue being completely above reproach, uh, because not so you can be a, uh, not so you can be good for anybody else, but uh, your spouse, and so that you are not weighted down with all that other junk. It's such a free place to be, uh, to not to have a mind that's pure and not be thinking thoughts other people are thinking. Protect yourself from the foxes. I did make a note here. It's possible that it's it's not you that needs to protect yourself from the foxes, but actually that you yourself may have a lifestyle of preying upon other vineyards like a fox. You could be the fox. (laughs) Really. Well, you're the one that's not being respectful of other vineyards. And if that's you, I just want to challenge you to own it. Just say, that's me. I need to... I've got to give Jesus control of my body. 
And you might think that's exaggeration, but you got to remember, Jesus teaches us that our bodies are not our own. They actually belong to him or the person to whom we're married. That's it. (laughs) Okay? All right. Deep breath. (sighs) Cleansing breath. Let's move on. (laughs) Practical tips regarding your purity. Here it is. Number one, inform people of your limits. If you're single, let other people know. Hey, these are my limits. It's kind of like going on a diet. It's healthy to tell people I'm going on a diet. (laughs) If they say, how much weight are you going to lose? You say it's none of your business. No, you tell them. Hey, no, I'm, I want to lose 5, 10, 15 plus pounds, whatever. Tell others your limits. Secondly, keep your, uh, your four on the floor. And if you're going to maintain a life of purity, some of you already got it, keep your feet on the floor. That'll help you. Your feet and his or her feet. Uh, thirdly, keep everything buttoned and zipped. Uh, that may not be clear to you, but most of us have buttons and some of us have zippers. Keep them zipped. It's, it's just healthy protection. Finally, avoid swapping spit. I've got a visual on what I mean by that. Here it is. Just kidding. No, I, uh, you just, you want to stay away from the heavy kissing. Melissa and I did this actually for the first six months of our courtship. No kissing. (laughs) Then my aunt told me that was stupid. And I said, I agree. And uh, (laughs) we made up for lost time on the kissing. But it is, it is an area that, uh, if guarded, will protect you. Then Solomon opens the door here at the end. I'm not even going to interpret this. This is for your homework. <laughs> okay? Marrieds. Uh, he, he ends by saying, uh, if, if you guard yourself from the foxes, then you can have this kind of future. Uh, my lover is mine. I'm in verse 16. My lover is mine, and I am his. He browses among the lilies. Uh, until the day breaks and the shadows flee, turn my lover and uh, like a gazelle or like a young stag on the rugged hills. Imagine uh, yourself today um, viewing your preparation as winter. The better winter you have, the more hope for spring and harvest. Uh, you are remaining in Jesus, preparing for the spring of, of, of his harvest. Imagine yourself during a season of perfection, reading between the lines with an elevated sense of awareness, spirit-led self-control, so as not to take uh, too much time, too much talk, or too much touch. You're self-leading in a very exciting time. It's a discipline that's required in every area of our lives. Finally, imagine you enjoying transparency about your past, uh, congruency about your plans, and freedom as it relates to purity. Here's the deal. This is what you want when you get married. Freedom, congruency of plan, fun. There's a time for everything under the sun. Uh, There's a time for everything under heaven. And there's a season for all of us. Could be a season that you're in, a season of preparation right now. Could be a season of perfection. Uh, Be careful. Don't bring spring on too quickly. Could be a season of discovery for you. Uh, regardless, it all comes from Christ, if you do it right, all of it. And uh, today, if you're here, and I describe you as not being in relationship with Jesus personally, uh, I'm going to give you a chance right now to own that. Um, And uh, I also challenge you today, some of you, there may be one of you that's like you felt like a fox. (laughs) You've been preying upon other vineyards. Today, I'm going to ask you to own that. And then wherever else uh, you fall, let's pray. Briefly, Heavenly Father, thank you for 
romance, that it comes from you. Thank you for the preparation for romance, the perfection moments of romance, and the discovery season. Uh, Firstly, uh, we want to remain in you. We want to know you personally. We want to go beyond just accepting your forgiveness. We want to experience you daily. If that describes you, if you're If you believe Christ died for your sins, resurrected from the dead, and yet you've never said, I want to know him personally, I want him to be the Lord and leader of my life. Right now, I just want you to say, Jesus, come into my life. Be the leader of my life. Produce fruit in my life. If that describes you, I just want to ask you, right from where you're seated, to just raise your hand. I want to acknowledge your decision. Is there one person here today that's saying, yeah, that's me? I want to become a Christian today. Raise your hand high so I can see it. Anybody? Today, if uh, you're feeling like, you know what, I've been, I've, I've been like a fox. <laughs> I just want you right from where you're seated to whisper, God, I own that. I own that. <laughs> and if you're here today and you're, you've been convicted that you haven't been embracing winter, I would ask you right from where you're seated, you're just saying, Lord, help me endure and even embrace winter. (laughs) There is a time and season for everything under heaven, God. Uh, Help us know our season and really enjoy it. In Jesus' name, amen.